Welcome back to the Fortified Coaching Podcast with me, Joe. Me, Nina. And me, Stephen. Awesome. How is everyone? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Enjoy Easter? Certainly did, yeah, yeah. Always nice, a bit of Easter. You guys? Yeah, I had a really good one with chocolate and cheesecake. I didn't do anything else out of the ordinary. I didn't have one normal meal on Easter Sunday. I had scones for breakfast, cream egg, Easter eggs, uh, sorry, cheesecake, Easter eggs for lunch and dinner, and then various mini egg concoctions between meals. Wow. Mm. I don't think I ate much chocolate on Easter. I'm not really a chocolate person, and none of the eggs that Evelyn had were open, so that doesn't bother me. But once they're like cracked open and they're there, then I'll pick at them as I go past the table and things. Um, but no, I think I had two chocolates or maybe three chocolates or something like that on Easter. I've had more since then, but no. No, I had um, I had normal meals with with lots of chocolate interspersed. So I think I, uh, I made pancakes for breakfast. Added a scoop of protein to mine, which was really nice, actually. Vanilla protein in fluffy American pancakes. I'll do that again. Uh, I also I did put a cream egg in between two of the pancakes. That was all right. Yeah. Wouldn't hurry to do it again. Um, pretty normal lunch, I think, sandwich. And then tea was some sort of a uh, one-pot chicken that uh, my mother did because we went to their garden. Um, and obviously didn't go in the house at all. Um, and there were there was a, like a, a sweet tin full of those tiny little like kinder eggs and kinder bond eggs and all that sort of stuff. So I had a few of them. And I made amazing Easter egg cheesecakes with biscuit base included. I have the biscuit base, otherwise it's not a cheesecake. Exactly. Yeah, what else? What else have we been up to? Anyone done anything interesting? Had a very, very busy week with admin, just with the gyms returning. I have about 1,000 programs to write. Yeah. That's just been all week, really. I'm nearly there. Well, I'm not. I'm like, I've, I've, I'm a quarter of the way in. So it'll be a busy couple of days. How are you, Joe? Um, I think I, I thought I hadn't done anything. I was racking my brains, but I was round with friends on um, Saturday when it was like really nice weather, nice sun. Got a bit of a suntan on one side of my face at the time as well, um, just in the garden. So it was nice. Yeah, and that's nice. other, other than that, nothing really exciting. But yeah, that was good. Um, and that is it. There was hey, there was a bit of a public outcry last week, so I was missing from the podcast though. So I've came back anyway. Was there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably didn't want to mention it to you both, but yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. I didn't notice the rumblings. Got to admit. Yeah, me either. I'd like to know the names of those, Joe. You both met on Twitter, and it was must have must have been on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Twitter outrage. Mm. Um, yes, talking of, of programs, I've got to do a few programs as well for uh, people going back to the gym. That's a, a very good point on my to do list. Um, yeah, well, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know whether it's because the gyms reopen on Monday but, or whether it's just because it's been Easter and the kids have been off, but I actually haven't trained very well this last week. Like, I don't know, can't get into it. Um, I'm, I'm similar. Like, the start of this round of lockdown, so January, training four times a week, most weeks, and I think now since there's been the confirmation of everything reopening, the last few weeks have just kind of dwindled off. And I know for a lot of people, it was the other way around. Now that the gyms have opened, they've increased it, they've picked it up a little bit. For me, it's kind of, right, I'm going to be back in the gym next week anyway. The end is nigh. I'll sort myself out properly then. Yeah. I've like, it's my steps that have suffered this week, but it's, it's nothing to do with the gyms reopening. It's just work, work. Load has gone up. So I've had less time for steps and 
um my training's been all right though I've had well I've done two sessions so far this week I'll get a second one in probably tomorrow uh, third one in tomorrow so I'm happy when I've I've had three really I'll be going back to four sessions a week when the gyms reopen so I'm happy with three in lockdown cool cool I've ordered I don't know if uh, you guys have you probably haven't because you possibly haven't googled the same things but I've ordered one of these like stand-up uh, desks um, that you put you put it on a table it's a nice little angled thing and it's got little layers for different things because my back is in not doing me any favors at the moment with sitting at the kitchen table so I've ordered a kind of a stand-up thing yeah I've seen them I saw someone on my Instagram using one just this week actually but I knew I knew that one of my clients had one in in his office at work that he'd ordered a long time mm. ago uh, and swears by it yeah a good idea for people yeah. three as well Cool. So what are we talking about today, guys? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? <clears throat> well, I think what we're going to talk about, I think we're going, to, we're going to answer some questions from clients that we've been sent, which is always nice to do. Because um, I think people find that interesting. Most people often have, you know, similar problems. So it's mm. always good to share. Um, I think we're going to start off with any, any uh, struggles that we've had over lockdown. Ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the questions that came through. I feel like we uh, we've missed a huge component of the podcast by not talking about anything Marvel related, but um, that, that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> shake things shake things up a little. Um, yeah, what what have you been struggling with, Joe? I really well. Okay, oh well, we'll. I really struggle with exercising from home. So it's been a challenge throughout. Not something that I can really give all my focus to. I don't really enjoy it. Um, I'm too easily distracted by the TV and things as well. So that's been a challenge. Um, what else has? Food-wise, it's been a mixed bag, I think. Um you know, there are days where it's quite easy to just pick at things all day. And then there are other times when it's been a little bit easier. Um, but overall, I've tried with my food just to make sure that I'm getting kind of my level of protein feedings in that I want, regardless of whether I have a day where I've overate a lot or a day where I've been really healthy with my food. I try to make sure I get those protein feedings in. But other than that, you know, I, had, I don't really feel like I've struggled too much. I think the last week or two, the thought of going back to early start and things has been a bit, oh, it's been a bit of a long time off now. Three and a half months this time around, more or less, isn't it? Mm. Well, yeah. 20th of December or 23rd of December, I think I broke up. So best part of four months. So the thought of that coming back around has came quite quickly. But I don't really think there's anything I've uh, struggled with because I've been getting outdoors most days. Um, so I think things have been okay for me. I think I've been fortunate. Yeah, cool. Good. Who's next? Um, I think my struggles have changed with each lockdown, in all honesty, because I feel like the first lockdown, I was a lot more stressed over various things, but also... I was still, it was kind of a novelty, the first one, wasn't it? So it was very different. It was quite exciting a little, well, on a, on a small level, but everybody was in the same boat. Um, and I was, I was really motivated to, to train. Like at one point I was training, I was lifting weights four days a week. I was filming five classes a week and I was going for walks and sometimes I like, hitting 20,000 steps. Like my activity level absolutely soared in the first lockdown because it was really sunny. I feel like we had like quite a good summer. Um, so my struggles were more like personal in the first one. The second one was short and we had like lifted restrictions, didn't we? Like, so it was kind of like the tier system, things had started to kind of, there was a, a bit more of a flexible lockdown in the second one. So that one didn't feel as bad, but this one, in terms of like training, motivation, dieting has really been the hardest one for me. Um, work ethic probably has gone up in this last one, but certainly 
just be just wanting to diet. I've not wanted to. I've not had any desire to diet. I found too much comfort from baking and eating. Um, and training wise, I've been. I don't have a garden, so training in my front room is not inspiring at all. And it's obviously been winter for the most of the time of this lockdown. So, yeah, this one's definitely been on a training motivation front the hardest, I'd say. What about yourself, Steve? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, like like you guys, the different um, the different periods of lockdown have, have brought different feelings and, and different challenges. Um, like you said in the first one, Nina, the the sunshine was great. Um, it was it was nice weather. Um, I actually welcomed a bit of time off because um, I was working in a, a gym was my job. Um, and it, you know, it involved unsociable hours working till, I mean, it was only till 7 p.m. And I was home, home half seven, but I'd miss the kids going to bed and stuff like that. Um, so the novelty of it, of being home kind of all the time was, was pretty good and I liked it. Um, and the sunshine and training, I was just in such a good habit of exercise that I enjoyed home workouts. Um, and I was one of the annoying people who was doing like, home workout videos and enjoying the challenge of, of trying to work your kind of body in different ways, you know, without having a big leg press machine or a squat rack and stuff like that. I actually enjoyed that. Um, but the, the days were long because I didn't have any real purpose because I'd just started launching the, the online kind of coaching stuff. I'd not been doing it that long. Um, so I had a lot of, you know, time to think and, and do nothing a lot of the time. Uh, which was pretty hard. Um, and then kind of, I was trying to keep the, the kids occupied as well. Um, Cause my wife, Angela was working from home full time. I mean, she obviously helped out a lot, but it, I was the one trying to do that. And that was fun, but challenging. Cause I would always run out of things to do. Um, and uh, I, I kind of, Adopted baking as a bit of a hobby more more often, too frequently. Too many cookies. When you bake cookies, they're far too easy to eat. Um, so that was the, the first lockdown. This this recent one, yeah, I don't know. I think um, just tired of it all, aren't we? And um, it was, had been a long one. We didn't really know when it was going to end. So for me, um, again, with not having the the kind of day job to go to it's been easy to drink kind of more nights of the week which leads to feeling crap uh leads to eating more stuff like that and yeah it's not been great although i have trained still um my like in terms of what i eat still eating quality foods most of the time but then all the extras on top of it um and you know right now my body feels really achy and stiff as a result of kind of lockdown and Easter I'm ready to uh, get out of that and start being you know looking after myself better again. You just reminded me of um, one of the challenges that I've been having actually and I forgot about was trying to balance work with looking after kids so when my daughter's been off off school so like the last two weeks when I've had her and been trying in particularly now where it's a busier time before the gym's reopened everyone wants a new training program and everything Trying to manage those two has been pretty difficult. Um, so I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Because <clears throat> when you've got the kids there and you're in charge of looking after them, you want they want your full attention. Even if you're not doing a lot, they want to be to play with you or they want you to watch TV with them. They don't want you sitting yeah. on a laptop. And that's pretty hard because you need to get stuff done. Um, you, and you can feel pretty bad for not kind of being present in the moment with them. So that's been a bit of a challenge. Um, I think out of everything. Yeah, um, I think that affected a lot of people, especially when there was the, the schools were closed and people were trying to do homeschooling. I think an awful lot of, of guilt was there, you know, because people, and we see it a lot, people think, people kind of have that black and white thinking, I'm not doing everything, um, and that's bad. Yeah. Mm. Right then, questions, what do we have? 
some good ones this week? Well, we, we've just used up one of mine. Um, so we'll move on to an, another one of mine, if, if that's cool. Um, Go on, then. So Brett asked me um, the other day, because um, so I'm on a diet break, should I increase my steps to make up for the extra calories? Um, I'll start. No, Brett, you don't, you don't really need to. I mean, the whole purpose of the diet break, or one of the purposes, is to, to give you a break. So you don't, you wouldn't necessarily want to try and compensate, compensate by doing more activity to counter the increase of the calories that you've got. So no, not necessarily. I mean, if you if you find you've got more time and you're getting bored because you're you're not spending an hour training or anything like that, then that's okay. But that's just because it's personal choice. You want to do something, but you don't really need to increase your activity levels or increase your training because your calories have gone up though. Yeah, obviously when you work out your maintenance calories, it's factored in as to how much activity you do each day. And that's based on what you are doing now. So if you were to increase your steps, you would essentially increase your calories. So you would be undoing essentially part of your diet break. If the idea is to get you eating at say, or giving you more calories for a period of time or eating at maintenance for a period of time, but then you start moving more because you've got these more, these extra calories, you're kind of just def defeating the, uh, the object. And this is why like true maintenance does take a few weeks to actually discover because what will probably happen when you do have a diet break is you will have more energy. You'll be able to put more um, energy into training. You probably will feel like you want to go for a bit longer when you go for a walk, in which case you might remain in a small deficit and you will be able to bump the calories up even more. So that's why maintenance is probably the, um, the, the hardest to discover because your activity levels do go up as you have more energy. So give yourself a few weeks to find out what that truly is. Yeah, cool. answer that one. I think so. Yeah, um, I just echo all that. Um, the diet break. The intention of this diet break is to bring in to, to up to maintenance level. Um, so increasing your calorie output by doing more steps isn't necessary. Um, what I would, I think the only thing I would add is I, I understand why people feel that they want to do that because in, eating more calories for somebody who's been on a diet for so long can be a little bit scary. Scary is maybe a strong word, but there's, there's anxiety over eating more calories for people and people who've lost a lot of weight over a period of time are wary of putting weight back on. So going up to maintenance can feel a little bit icky. Um, but that said, you know, we factor all that in and you, you're good. Don't worry about it. Cool. You got on, Nina? Yeah, this one's quite a quick one, but I'll ask it anyway. So this was from Lisa. <coughs> is, more, is it more beneficial to drink water on waking or can you go straight for the coffee? Well, I would say after... Uh, after eight hours or so of sleep, you're probably going to be a little dehydrated. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, I do it. I would, I would have a glass of water on waking personally um, to rehydrate yourself before you then drink uh, the coffee, which is potentially a little dehydrating. Yeah. Hydrate. What was that one? Hydrate before you caffeinate. Oh, yeah, that yeah. I think once if you've been asleep for eight hours, you probably will need to hydrate a little bit. I don't think there's anything else to add on that one. Just yeah. The only thing I added was maybe um, habit stack it. So we've talked about habit stacking before. I think on pro have we on podcasts? Yeah. So um, if an already established habit is you, the first thing you do is put the kettle on to make a cup of coffee. Then whilst you put the kettle on, have that glass of water and, and attach it to a habit that's already established. Good advice. Yes, sweet. Um, a question that came into me on Instagram this morning was um, from someone who felt a bit anxious about going back to the gym. 
and what you know and what could they do about that did they outline what the anxiousness was? <clears throat> I got the sense that it was just from being away from it for so long and going back um, more so into the gym environment, I think, than anything specific to do with exercise. Yeah, so we'll have to make some assumptions, eh? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, sorry, you, do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, um, first thing I would kind of suggest is it, it may be just a case of um, familiarity. I mean, I kind of remember not going to the shops uh, for a few weeks when, when all this first started. I think because we had to isolate and it was a couple of weeks by the time I went back and the thought of going to a shop in the new situation did make me feel a bit, you know, funny. Um, it didn't stop me going or anything like that, but I was apprehensive about going. Um, but then when I got there, I realised that nothing had changed, although it, it looked a bit weird, nothing had changed that much and it wasn't that bad. And a, a lot of anxiety, I would suggest, comes from... Um, essentially making you almost make things up in your mind to be worse than they than really are than reality um so what i would would suggest and, and things that have worked for me from doing stuff like cbt for anxiety in the past is kind of sense checking those those worries like writing down what you're worried about what do you think will happen and then you know, what evidence do you have for those things? Are they actually, how likely are they to happen? Um, and stuff like that. And the other one is sometimes a little discomfort is, is just necessary. And if you go to kind of, if you can tolerate the discomfort and go, you'll realize it's not as bad as you thought. Uh, and top tip, maybe go with somebody else and meet somebody there. Yeah. I think I, you know, echo a similar sort of advice as you did and I just said it's normal to feel like that a lot of people will um you can always go give it five or ten minutes if you're still feeling really anxious then leave try again the next day but if you're feeling good after 10 minutes then stay and try 20 minutes and kind of repeat that little process for getting through the front door is the hardest part a lot of the time mm. I think a lot of time people in that assume a stressful situation once they're actually in it will realize it's not so stressful it's kind of like you build it up in your head to be a lot worse and the reality never is as bad as you think I think um obviously uh, one of my um things was going to say maybe he's making an appointment with a friend to go even if you can't train with them with the current restrictions unless they're in the same household but even just having somebody to meet you there and walk in together might be helpful um, and if your gym has got like a little bit of a less busy area that's not in use, like a studio, for instance, you could sort of begin in there where there isn't very many people and then just kind of edge your way into the gym. Maybe choose a particular time, if possible, that isn't as busy as well. And on the, on the uh, car journey there, just listen to some awesome music that will get you pumped up, make you feel good. Yeah, don't give yourself too much time to procrastinate or worry or over worry about it either. Um, next one. Um, I got a question that we can't actually answer, but I, I'd still like to bring it up because I get asked this question quite a lot. Cool. Uh, and it's about eating disorders. So somebody sent a, a message in saying, any advice on eating disorder recovery they've been battling with an eating disorder since let's just say since I can remember now um had a PT previously but not really sure they got it mm. as in they understood me um mm. and I just think it's worth, it's worth bringing up because a lot of personal trainers would maybe not realizing but would take on a client that has an eating disorder and unless you are a qualified dietitian, a clinical dietitian with, a, with an actual specialism in eating disorders, you shouldn't 
take on a client who has an eating disorder. It is beyond your scope of practice. It's beyond, I mean, us three, we are nutritionists, we're qualified nutritionists. I think we are constantly upskilling, constantly doing some sort of qualification or course or reading. And even we would refer out in this particular circumstance. And it's just worth mentioning on the podcast, because if you have got an eating disorder, and you do quite often inquire with PTs and they aren't taking you on. That's why it's not because they don't want to deal with you. It's not because they don't want to help you. It's just because it is such a um, specialism, I guess, that you should always refer out. Yeah. And I mean, eating disorder is one category and there are lots of other categories that are probably outside of the scope of practice of most PTs. Um, and I think, so this person has said that they'd worked with a PT before. <clears throat> and I've got no doubt in my mind that the PT will have done it from a good place of wanting to help. But the reason that we, we can't do things like that, um, or we shouldn't, is that quite often we can sometimes do more damage than good because we're not fully trained in that area. Um, and even with the best of intentions, it can just be more harmful to them, um, to, to people. And that goes for all sorts of training, you know, specialist populations. As much as we might think, oh, we can probably help this people, these people, we don't really have a full understanding of exactly how to help them because we're not trained in that way. There's a, there is a difference, though, between an eating disorder, which has been um, recognised by a doctor, and someone with disordered eating, though. Steve, do you want to expand on that a bit a little bit, maybe? Yeah, sure. So um, eating disorders will be clinically diagnosed by a, a GP or a, a health practitioner. Um, and they would include things like anorexia, uh, bulimia, binge eating disorder. Um, and then there's kind of a one that's grouped together, which is a little bit more vague. Can't remember what it's called. Um, and disordered eating is, uh, you know, that's a, a, a funny term. It's quite a broad term, um, but you get things like disordered eating might be orthorexia where people, um, you know, are afraid of eating stuff like cake and sugar and stuff like that. They can only, they can only eat clean foods, um, whatever that means. They can only eat, you know, proper healthy foods, um, you could even argue that counting calories is a form of disordered eating on a very low level, um, especially if people become very attached to that and can't, can't cope without doing it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think people, well, I think from my experience of speaking to people and hearing people speak about how they feel about their situation in relationship with food, they sometimes class overeating as binge eating as well, things like mm. that. And there's a big difference, like, we all at times overeat and eat more than we want to or more than we would like to. But binge eating is a bit different. Binge eating would be not being able to control yourself, not being able to stop. And to, and for most people, I would imagine it's constantly thinking about food as well. Even when you're eating it, you're thinking about the next thing or you've just ate, you're thinking about the next thing. I think there's probably yeah. a big difference between overeating and an actual eating disorder like binge eating. Yeah, there's definitely levels. I mean, and I know I've been asked before if disordered eating can lead to an eating disorder, and it can, but it it there are some like red flags, and it's it's based around behaviors, obsession, and if it if it really is actually affecting how you function in life, then that would be kind of something where you'd think, right, okay, maybe I have actually got an eating disorder. Um, but it's up to again a professional to diagnose that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of people who get to or who chase chase being at an extreme level of body condition, like extremely lean for a long period of time. A lot of people like that, perhaps people who do bodybuilding and bikini competitions and things. Unfortunately, they they quite often end up with um, disordered eating or even eating disorders after doing things like that because of how their relationship with food and their body are linked and how they're yeah. viewed too. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that things like cheat meals is a form of disordered eating, um, yeah. probably depending on the outlook of the person doing it. 
um, and the psychological impact it has, but it, it's fairly disordered eating, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we can signpost people, I guess, who who think they're struggling with an eating disorder. Um, my first protocol would be the GP or go online and look at um, BEAT, B-E-A-T. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, there are others available. There's a few in, in the UK, I think. Yeah, follow you on Instagram, like Brick Binge Eating. That's their, what's it called? Handle. The handle, yes. Um, they have really good advice and they have lots of good links to um, how to get help. And there's lots of free downloads that they put on their page as well. I like them. Uh, Rachel Hobbs, who's a dietitian specifically for eating disorders, I follow her as well. She puts really, really good content out and she's got a podcast, so it's worth listening to too. Um, but we can send all of these. We can put them in the write-up of the podcast maybe. Yeah, cool. I definitely think just going back to the bodybuilding industry though, it definitely can cause disordered eating, but I also think a lot of people end up going into bodybuilding because they already have an eating disorder and it's a very good way to disguise it. So it is a, it's a, it's a bit of a dangerous industry really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got one and it's not so much a question. Um, in fact, I don't even know how I'm going to phrase it really, but it was just from a conversation this morning. I think the three of us can probably relate. And I think because we've worked with a lot of, people in the fitness industry and have their experiences experiences and things, we can probably relate from that as well. But I was spoke to someone this morning who runs a successful fat loss and fitness business and over lockdown, that's kind of boomed and took off. And the thing that they have really been struggling with is the fact that even though they're getting other people in shape and, and doing everything and they've got people getting amazing results, they've found that they've let themselves go their own words. They've found that they've let themselves go and they've put on, uh, I think it was like a stone and a half and they reached out for some help to me. Um, and I think it's worth knowing that we, we all can do that at times. Like when other things, when other priorities take over, that can kind of happen and you've got to try and find that balance between looking after other people and looking after yourself. Have you guys experienced that either with yourselves or with the people you've worked with? Oh God, yeah, loads of times, absolutely loads of times, where like you are so like, a lot of people don't realize the the work that goes into personal training. I think some people often think it's just like that one-to-one -one session and then like, that's it. All the work that goes in behind the scenes, program design, looking after people, and you, you almost become, you become this multi sort of leveled person where you're a bit of a psychologist, you're a little bit of a trainer, you're a little bit of a friend, you're a little bit of, and it's like this multifaceted thing and it, it's, it can take a lot of work, um, especially when you're dealing with quite a heavy workload and it does impact your own training, your own nutrition 100%. There's been loads of times where I've like, I've gone for a few, a few weeks in a row where I've not been able to train very well or, you know, prep the meals that I normally, or have the energy to cook on a night time. Mm. Um, I don't see any issues whatsoever in getting a coach. Like it doesn't make me think I'm any less of a PT. If anything, whenever I take on a coach to help me out, because I don't want to think about, the last thing I want to think about is my own program design. And I'd struggle to stick to my own programming as well. Um, so I've lost my train of thought now. No, I, I would certainly agree on that. Um, I, I wouldn't follow my, as, as successful as the, as the results that the three of us get and plenty of other people get, I would never follow, be able to stick to my own advice because I would be too easily led. And if I've only got myself to be accountable to, then um, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I hate writing my own programs anyway. Um, yeah. Um, and I think... I think things ebb and flow naturally through life, don't they? You know, you're always going to have periods of time when it's easy training and nutrition are just on point for, for various reasons, so many reasons. And it's okay if you've got a project on or you're really busy doing up a house or something like that to scale back the training and nutrition. But I'll, re I'll say this a lot. Always try and do something. It doesn't have to be 
like either 100% on and 100% off there's it there's middle ground yeah like if you if you're busy you can still train maybe two or three shorter periods a week um and maybe you don't eat perfectly whatever that means anyway i would never advise anyone to try and eat perfectly but you can scale that back as well um a little bit but it doesn't have to be um either salad and veg with every meal um and like lean protein at every single meal uh and no alcohol and and i'm losing my train of thought but you know two two ends of the scale you can meet in the middle a little bit it doesn't have to be one or the other um i hope that makes sense yeah definitely oh. i think um well i keep losing it as well i'm losing my head what was that you two have got brain lockdown brain oh like i was gonna say like today is an example like I have a ridiculous amount of programs to write. I haven't got a lot of time tomorrow because I'm at a friend's birthday barbecue thing. So I know that today I am probably going to get a thousand steps and not train. But I just accept that on a level that, you know, that is an occasional thing. And, it, and just like when I have those busy periods where I've took on quite a few new clients and I'm setting them up, it's an occasional thing where I won't be able to hit my optimal level. So it's like you said, Steve, I'll do what I can and not worry about it. But a coach can help with that. Um, and any good coach would tell their client not to worry about that as well. Yeah, what, what, what we often see actually in whether it's fortified eight or one-to-one or -one clients is I see people saying stuff like, oh, I can't hit 10,000 steps today. And they kind of almost feel like they've failed. Um, and, you know, we just need to reiterate that on a one-off basis, that's probably not going to make much difference to their outcome. If it happens, you know, every day and they're only doing a thousand steps a day over a month, then yeah, that probably will make a difference. Yeah. What I like about getting a coach as well is it, it teaches you something, you know, every coach has a different level of experience a, a different approach so it's always it's always quite um good to learn from other coaches sometimes you learn what not to do as well <laughs> because i've had a bad coach in the past we should play good coach bad coach kind of thing i can't even remember his name now not that i would name him but i can't remember his name but he was charging a lot of money and he was rubbish do you reckon that would work if there was like two coaches in a room and, and one client and, and one was like, yeah, one was like, hey, everything's fine, man. It's all good. You're doing okay. And then the other was like, what are you doing? You didn't eat the broccoli I told you to eat, man. Pizza. And then the other guy's like, or girl was like, Peter's fine. Chill. I think that's like the little devil and angel on your shoulders that you have. I'm, I'm going to do reels later on that. Any more questions? Uh, let me scan through. I have one. Um, this, this was actually from a PT asking about his client um, just this morning. So he just wanted some advice. His client has... PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, they're finding that their weight fluctuates a lot, uh, that they find it hard to lose weight. Why is that? Is there anything that they need to do differently compared to a normal client? Well, I know, um, Steve, you found a little bit of research about BMR on this, didn't you? Whereas I, I've always kind of learned that someone with PCOS, I'll spit that again. Someone with PCOS, <laughs> thankfully this isn't being filmed, um, would ordinarily or might have a lower BMR, meaning they turn over slightly less calories. So when working out the calorie deficit, I think it's around about 30% you need to take off the BMR in order to get an accurate level. Um, so that could be the issue. 
they aren't turning over as many calories as they think they are and therefore weight's not changing in terms of fluctuation though um they probably will suffer a little bit more with weight fluctuations um just because they are essentially having a hormonal imbalance when you've got pcos which does affect scale weight um but yeah steve i know you read recently that some that people with pcos don't show a lower bmr was i don't know if you want to talk a bit more about that research it's always best to get two views uh i'll be honest i don't remember that it was btn academy i think you sent me mm. and they'd obviously done some sort of recent research on it oh it was on their um on their instagram page um yeah there's there's only so much room in my brain for for remembering things so I'd have to look that one up again, sorry. I mean, I think it's still worth, like it's worth reassessing your calorie intake um, based on maybe that 30%. If you aren't seeing results, it could be that your calories are too high. Um, mm -hmm. There's lo lots of other benefits that you, I mean, lots of other things you could do to help. Um, Instatol is a massively promoted evidence-based supplement that you can take. You can get it from my protein. Um, I think you can, if you start on three grams per day, up it to six grams over the course of like six weeks, don't take any yeah. more than that. I think it's best to take twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, and that will help improve insulin resistance, um, which is something you will be suffering with if you've got PCOS. Um, HIIT training, very beneficial. Um, resistance training, very beneficial, uh, more so than cardio would be. Again, it's the insulin resistance response. Um, anything else? No, I think it just bears repeating that um, oftentimes when people think that a, a calorie target isn't working for them, I mean, it, it could be that, but you need to assess whether you're actually sticking to those calories first, if you are calorie tracking. Yeah, and it's it's so easy done even by even by mistake. There are times when you can calorie track and consciously overeat and misreport. And there are lots of times when you can just do it by accident because it can be a little bit of a minefield. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a coaching call with a client earlier today, and I'll not name her, but she wouldn't wouldn't mind anyway. But she tracked our Easter eggs, um, and she'd had half an Easter egg. Um, and she sent me some screenshots of my fitness pal and it was 130 calories for half an Easter egg. Now, no, knowing this, because I just bagged up some 150 calorie portions of Easter eggs, I knew that there was a lot more calories in half Easter egg than that. And similarly, she was having like um, spoonfuls of peanut butter, which, as we know, you can... <laughs> you can easily mismeasure a tablespoon of peanut butter and end up having twice as many calories as you want. So it's not always your fault that you're doing these little mistakes. They're just You maybe just need to have a little bit more mindfulness sometimes until you kind of get the hang of it and you can eyeball it a little bit better. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it usually is. Wrong. <laughs> Miss that bit. Pasta's a nightmare as well. I had, I had a client ask me about pasta just the other day as well. Yeah, well, my, one of mine wasn't losing weight for like a few few weeks and she was in quite a significant deficit and I knew she'd been on it because she was asking me to check her, her, my, fitness, my fitness pal. And then I just clocked it and it was like 100 grams pasta, 150 odd calories. And I was like, is that cooked or dry? And she was like, dry. And I was like, no, that's the cooked weight. You need to put in 100 grams of uncooked. And she was like, 366 calories. I was like, yeah, she's like, I have pasta every day. <laughs> so. So what um, I've, uh, I've just had a look for that, um, that post on BTN Academy's Instagram, uh, Nina. Mm. Um, and it says, it's often said PCOS results in a lower BMR than would be expected. This is attributed to various metabolic causes. Uh, most of the data on this comes from early studies, however, and more recent findings don't bear it out. Rather, what seems to be the case is that those with PCOS have a different fat to muscle ratio at a given weight, at least in, due, in part due to insulin resistance. So insulin resistance plays a part. Um, when this is factored in, the BMR 
of those with and without PCOS is the same. Hmm. Ben Coomer and Martin McDonald will have to have a fight then, because in MNU they, they, they do teach quite a heavy, sub, a heavy module on PCOS in particular. But um, that one thing that kind of strikes me though, is like a lot of people, not everybody with PCOS have a higher testosterone level. So their fats to muscle ratio, you would think they would actually have a bit more muscle if they train. They could potentially have a bit more muscle, but they could also if they had a lower BMR and things like that, and they're just naturally gain more weight, they could still have a high ratio of fat though. Yeah. Well, I guess that the problem here is there's there's different types of, of PCOS, isn't there? Or like PCOS yeah. is more of an umbrella term and there's, there's different categories almost where people will have different um, aspects of it. Yes, I'm trying to remember them now. There's OVO, oh, what are the other two? There's three, isn't there? Three types. You know, and you, you said on the podcast that I wasn't on because I did listen to it back. And it's very true that just females are really hard to do studies on as well because of the differences in hormones. Not a lot of studies get done on women. And because of the fluctuations in hormone levels and everything else that goes on with females, it makes studying females really difficult to do. Yeah. So getting, getting you know, scientific evidence-based answers to questions on the female body, and, you know, it's quite difficult. Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, when I have had, I've got three clients currently with PCOS and when I have dropped their calories to a little bit more of like a 30%, that drop level, they have lost a lot more weight. Mm. Uh, and Instatol has been like an absolute godsend as well. It seems to work very, very well. Top tip, if you're ever unsure um, about dosing of a of supplement you can't remember um, I always look at examine.com um, and then put in this is for not you guys because you guys know this this is for everyone listening on the podcast examine.com put in the supplement and you'll get the dosage and, and recommendations of it yeah and they're independent so they they kind of um, what would you say they do they review lots of research and kind of write it up so it's easy to understand. Nina, can you remember, this is slightly off topic, but can you remember the um, name of the website that reviews books for their credibility, like nutritional books, things like that? We, um, we were recommended it at the Stephen Guinitz seminar. I mean, I did a lot of notes on that seminar, so I could probably find it. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. Any more questions? No, I don't. I don't think so. Other than, um, do you like the uh, the new Captain America? No. <laughs> do you like no. the Falcon and Winter Soldier program? It's, it's all right so far. It's all right yeah. so far. Not as good as One Division. The, la the last episode was pretty good, to be fair, with uh, Baron Zemo. That's yeah. Awesome. That was pretty good. Yeah. Wakandan, Wakandans want him now, though. Um, do you think the new Captain America is going to be a baddie? He, um, he, he displayed um, some kind of... Um, he said something, didn't he, that he was getting a bit full of himself in, in the yeah. last episode. I can't remember what he, he said. Do you know who I am, or something like that, to someone? Didn't he? I think he's going to be a baddie in the end. Don't get in my way. Yeah. Hmm. And I sorry, think, li sorry, listeners. <laughs> if he finds any, some super. Oh. Serum. I was looking for. I nearly said the wrong word. Serum. Yes. That's my prediction. And then that'll make him really bad. We shall see. Spoilers. You know that? Did you know that there was also a Captain Britain? Ooh. Was he a wrestler? And it was. It was. Um, it was the British version of Captain America. All right. 
And he can make his way in. Yeah, yeah. Captain Britain sounds just... A bit like Captain Mannerin. bit crap. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you know Captain Mannerin, Nina? No, who's that? <laughs> do you know Captain? I'm, sure, I'm assuming you do, Steve. Of a dad's army. Yeah. Oh, I never watched dad's army. Captain Darling. Blackadder, no. Okay. Ah, yes, Blackadder, I did. I was thinking I recognised that, and I thought you were still talking about Dad's Army. We should maybe wrap this up, eh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure again. Um, the three of us are looking forward to the next podcast. In the meantime, we are launching Fortified 8, which starts on Monday, and we're Really excited about that one. So we, um, I don't know, there's just a really good buzz about it already. Um, we had yeah. all the people into the group just the other day, um, and they seem super keen, super excited. So that feels really good. So that's something that we've got to look forward to. So we'll keep you all updated on how those guys are progressing. And you know, if you what if you listen to this podcast early enough, you might have a chance to join still. Um, and other than that, that is it. So thanks for joining us. You can ask us any questions on our social media channels, which you probably already know if you're watching the podcast, but the links are on the podcast. Um, and we will speak to you next week. I think you should do a summary. A summary of all of this. <laughs> Just because he does it to us, Steve. Oh. Doesn't he? Every time. So, to summarise. <laughs> and he never gets a summary. We all we've all had challenges in lockdown, but hopefully that's coming to an end. So the light is there at the end of the tunnel. So hang in there if you've been struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches need coaches too. Very valuable lesson. Everybody could benefit from having a coach at some point. We all do. And yeah, a coach. Or we'll continue to have a coach. Um, PCOS can make it harder to lose weight, but not impossible. Um, it's normal to feel anxious about going back to something you haven't done for a while, like the gym. The best thing to do is not overthink it. Swallow your frog and get it done. And realise that it's just normal. Take a friend. Have I missed anything? I don't know. I I didn't remember most of the questions, so you did well there. Mm. No, uh, diet breaks is, is meant to be maintenance, so don't increase your activity. Um, the goal of the diet break isn't isn't it isn't necessary to increase your activity for that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Great little summary there. Thank you for dropping that on me, and we will uh, look forward to you tuning in next time. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye.